to third time's a charm broadcasting live not from the microverse this time but from the head of an ancient celestial yes from nowhere to counter earth it is none other than third time's a charm we are all Groot so I'll, I'll just introduce us as that I am your host Mike Manzi as always and uh, we are here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 joining me as always my unofficial co-host don't let him catch you experimenting on any animals it is the bry evolutionary brian rodriguez happy to be here as always mike also joining us because it wouldn't be a marvel movie without this guy i mean i think he's been let out of the cocoon too soon possibly that's one of the things please welcome kyle reinfried hi are you calling me childish i think the opposite kyle i think most of your friends would argue you were in the cocoon way too long I was just struggling to figure out interesting ways to introduce us. Guys, welcome back to Third Times of Charm. It feels like it hasn't been that long. Two months ago, we were talking Quantumania. Last month, we were talking Creed 3. There is another new Part 3 out right now. This one, guys, has Sylvester Stallone in it. Was he doing this instead of Creed 3? We will talk about it, but thanks for joining me back on Third Times of Charm. Happy to be here, Mike. Kyle, I know you don't podcast anymore regularly, but if we were going to still podcast right now, speaking of Stallone, I was just watching a little Frasier on Paramount+. Plus. They ran a promo for Sylvester Stallone's new reality series, The Family <laughs> Stallone, and I... I would have proposed right like let's just cover that let's just look, regress to doing episode by episode the family stallone never no thank you why because i will never ever watch that show oh it's awesome you you guys will podcast about anything brian i will do a special <laughs> episode of coppola because it is paramount related you know i will make that leap if mike not just that it. not just that in the opening trailer to it Pacino shows up. You want to watch it, Kyle. You want to watch it. No, I really, I don't have any desire. Hopefully you didn't have a bad time watching this movie. I know Quantumania, I tried re-watching that one and it wasn't as good as the first time I watched it. I, I had a chance to only see this once, but so much to cover. Let me just start real quick by trying to give part of a plot summary or just the gist of what's going on. We joined the Guardians of the Galaxy. Their home base is now the head of nowhere they moved into that i think during the christmas special did you guys see the christmas special yes this is one thing i, I gotta say so i watched it with my wife who hadn't seen the christmas special you need to see the christmas special to watch this like they fill you in but it was a lot of like wait their brother and sister how did this happen and there was a bunch of like that stuff so like the christmas special is the unofficial guardians three it wasn't just fluff it wasn't just side stuff like things actually happen in it i was gonna say it's like the two episodes of boba fett that you need to see for season three of mandalorian james gunn said i mean and this is the whole thing like obviously i know nicole very well i know she's not reading 
articles on movie updates and stuff like that james gunn said oh no like like this is very much going to add towards the plot i was actually expecting even a little bit more but right in the beginning of guardians 3 and then obviously brian by you sharing that story just between brother and sister and then just like cosmo being there and like nowhere being cleaned up ever since it was we last uh, saw it destroyed by thanos stuff like that yeah i'd even say the character development between Drax and Mantis carries over quite a bit as well. That Gamora is missing, that she's not part of the team. But then I was just going to say about Drax now wearing shirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that too, I think. That might be more about Dave Bautista not wanting to be in the makeup chair. Well, no, you said that he feels like uncomfortable and good on him that he's like 50-something plus years old. And he's like, I don't want to get like that big anymore, you know, versus all these other actors yeah. that fluctuate all the time. It's a joke in the second movie of his nipples being sensitive. And then in, I think, the end of Endgame, he's not topless at the funeral. So he's wearing some kind of vest or something. And like you that. bring up Endgame, yeah. and that's important too, right? Not just Endgame, but uh, more importantly, Infinity War. I think someone needs to one day do a super cut of everything you need to see. Because, like, even uh, the new Thor, you didn't need to see that one. But, like, it is a cool addendum to all this. I did pretty much that. I didn't watch the Avengers stuff. But I watched everything since Avengers to now. Like, all of the stuff they kind of showed up in. So, the the Christmas special, the beginning of Thor. Because I would love, like, a chronology of the Guardians because, like, Thor is a part of the Guardians for a legitimate amount of time, which is interesting. Like, we don't see all their adventures, but it is cool to think that, like, he was sort of a member for a while. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to talk more about Stallone. Let me get back to the summary real quick. So, in the opening, everyone sort of lamenting the loss of Gamora. Peter's drunk. Rocket's trying to, like, snap him out of it. And all of a sudden, Adam Warlock does a surprise attack and we find out that he's after rocket and he's sent by the high evolutionary who created rocket raccoon and wants him back for nefarious reasons to expand his genetic empire they fight off adam warlock and they try to cure rocket but they find out he has a kill switch in him so they need to break into like a flesh bank to get a code so that they could fix rocket without killing him yeah there's there's a kill switch it's a copyright thing actually right it turns out to be that's why the high evolutionary wants him back because he declared rocket his property rocket is basically in a coma for the entire movie as they search for a way to to cure him and bring him out of it. And as they're on their adventure, we get these sort of flashbacks into Rocket's creation where he was taken as a young raccoon by the High Evolutionary and experimented on and really smart and sort of bypasses the High Evolutionary's intelligence, which pisses him off. He makes all these cute and cuddly deformed friends that end up getting blown away. Eventually the Guardians get the code, wake up Rocket, and they all help each other take down the High Evolutionary, but uh, he destroys all this stuff in his wake, including Counter-Earth, which was this giant genetic experiment, uh, sort of like the island of Dr. Moreau, where he evolved animal men. In the end, they all escape to nowhere. Peter retires, goes back to Earth and visits his grandfather. Gamora goes back to the Ravagers. Nebula and Drax stay in nowhere to sort of clean up the place and lead it as a haven. Mantis takes off to find out more about herself and her origin. Rocket leads a new team of the Guardians with Groot as credits roll. I just want to ask a quick question about the Adam Warlock thing. We got this teased right in um, the end of Guardians 2. Yeah, one of them like six post-credit scenes. Yeah, I know he's a big character in the comics, right? 
Huge. He's 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 a big part of the Infinity, right, Mike? Yeah, of the whole like Infinity yeah. Gauntlet. Basically, he's like Vision in the movies. He's got one of the gems in his his soul forehead. stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's also sort of like more connected cosmically to like the universe. Well, he's kind of a loser in this film, and and I'm wondering why. I'm not saying it in a negative way because I thought the parts were hilarious, but like I saw it almost as a way to like undo um his like huge introduction in Guardians too. Because what's his future now? Like, do do you, have you heard anything? Is this like is he going to be a big character later? Or is it just like are we getting another Adam Warlock? This to me feels like a hedging their bets kind of thing where it's like ah, uh, and this is what Marvel seems to do a lot, especially with introducing people in post credit scenes. It's like if if it's got a good response, we'll fly with it, but we didn't use him enough to need him later, right? Like, he could just be off in the next movie somewhere else, like, and, you know, with a mention or two, we don't need to see him. But he had potential, or still does have potential, to be very important. But Marvel loves to do these things like fan service kinds of things, like kind of like they did with MODOK, where it's like, let's just put him in one movie and they'll be able to see him there. And then we can just kind of move on with what we really want to do. And now with the multiverse, as I'm sure we said in Quantum Mania, you can bring an Adam in from another world where he is much more serious at this point. But, you know, like I, I, I'll watch those. Um, is that Screen Crush? Those breakdown videos? Yeah. I mean, the fact that Phyla, whatever her name is, she's a kid. The end of Guardians, she runs the wheel and she's on the team at the end. Phyla Bell. Or oh, the little like that. kid that they keep? Yeah, that's like a big character in the comics too. Uh, but Adam Warlock, supposedly in the comics as well, he's childish in the beginning so that is the whole thing like but this is this is by far i obviously you could argue infinity war because half of the universe is destroyed but this is probably the most violent like an adult marvel movie to date so they definitely needed some comedic relief so i think james gunn used that as well yeah this is his complete story this is everything he needed and wanted to do with these characters but my yeah you're totally right about like this movie needed some levity because it is somber it is melancholy like it is dramatic it is fun at times but the whole mission resides on like our friend is dying like he's in a coma like i don't know there's just this very heavy weight around it all and i'm glad adam warlock is here and you're right early on i think that's the thing is like people forget about characters about how like they start out one way right and so like adam warlock was fully formed as a character by the time he fought thanos for the infinity gauntlet but like early on you're right he was spending time on counter earth with the high evolutionary as sort of a childlike being kind of finding his way so in a lot of ways this does track and that's also the way it is with comics too like he's introduced in whatever fucking decade and then cut to the infinity war series that's a different artist that's a different like voice of the character i mean the same thing happens in yeah. comics even if it, and, and sometimes obviously the continuity like that's a whole new series or issues or i don't you know i don't yeah that's like supposedly the origin of his character so i think will poulter yeah. did a good job and he definitely made me chuckle a few times times and he made like a decent enough foil like all of these movies have so in the first one you've got ronin and then you've got the ravagers and the second one you've got ego and then the uh the sovereign and then this one it's like aisha adam warlock and then the you know, high evolutionary is the main what i also like about his character too is it kind of proves this point about the high evolutionary where like he's so pissed off that like he created rocket raccoon and rocket raccoon's like 
smarter than him and he can't figure out why he created the people who made adam warlock and by the end of this adam warlock sort of stands against everything the high evolutionary is about you know so it's like kind of interesting of a parallel between this high evolutionary making all these creations he's trying to control and they're all disobedient in his eyes just because they kind of evolve past his control i found that kind of interesting yeah, this movie is about self-growth and empathy. James Gunn, man, his his sensibilities, I I feel them, but like he is such an '80s kid. Animal testing, I know it still goes on now, but this just felt like with Counter Earth, it felt like the '80s, and it felt like a lot of '80s issues, which aren't bad. I don't mind it or anything. It just kind of stood out to me in a weird way, where I was like, not expecting this movie to be about animal testing. That's a lot of what it's about. I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe to this, but it was about Rocket the entire time. I forget what the line in it is. It was his story the whole freaking time. But this to me is like a victory lap for Marvel for a lot of reasons. But one of them is like Guardians of the Galaxy is the film that took Marvel to the next level. I remember there was this like um, famous SNL sketch went after Guardians of the Galaxy did really well. And they're like, Marvel can do anything. And they also have like A.D. Bryant and it's like, Pam and it was just like a woman and it's like Pam the winter Pam yeah when when Guardians landed like it destroyed DC's entire game plan right DC took one look at Guardians it was like let's do that to every movie from now on like scrap the Snyderverse and pivot as quick as possible and that's what happened to like Suicide Squad the first Suicide Squad yeah it's really a Guardians ripoff which is like interesting but um I think in this one right like when they were selling Guardians people were like what the f a tree and a raccoon are we really going to be into this? Like, I thought Fluor Hero movies were supposed to be dark and gritty, and we're getting this now. And they love it. And they have pulled the strings so much, and James Gunn in particular, the fact that people are crying about the raccoon stories in this, right? And I'm not criticizing yeah. it. Like, I was emotional too, but victory lap there. Like, raccoon stuff is some of the most interesting stuff in the whole MCU. So, bravo on that. But I want to I ask a question. And this is, like, the only other note I took. You mentioned the James Gunn thing. He was able to do all three of these films, which at one point, you know, wasn't going to happen because of, right. you know, we don't have to get into it. I'm going to say could and would for this question, but could this have existed outside the MCU? Should it have existed outside the MCU, right? Could this have been, and, and this is blasphemous to say, but these movies were so successful. If they didn't tie into the Avengers and things like that, could they have spun into their own universe? Could we have had like a Star Wars-ish thing going on here? I know things happened in Avengers that we needed, but they didn't necessarily have to. I, I guess I, I posed that question out there. Could they have existed in a vacuum? I would say yes. A vacuum just totally, or like a vacuum in the sense of also, because what, what I'm going to say is like, I feel like maybe they should have kept the cosmic things separate for a while. Because there's so much you see, like the swing and a miss with, even though the Eternals takes place on Earth, they are odd characters. And even, we kind of had cosmic with Thor, but since Thor is part Norse mythology, part of Earth's culture, like that made sense. Sure, Peter Quill is from Earth, but that is the only connection to 
Terra, you know, to Earth in like the first couple of movies. You know, sure, we get some cutback scenes to Ego expanding throughout the, uh, you know, universe and we see Earth and uh, Missouri at that point. But yeah, like I think it could have existed on its own for a while. And I think maybe they could have really been, I mean, they were, but like the Avengers of space, but yeah. then still could have stayed separate enough with like other cosmic entities. That being said, I love Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, yeah. and I love Thor being with them, and I love all that, but I do actually... I'm with you, Kyle. I think they could have existed separate and had their own little... Like, even a channel on Disney+, Plus, right? I'm so happy... Tony got to meet Rocket. That was my one. <laughs> I had a feeling Tony was going to die in Endgame, and I was like, please, just please let him meet Rocket. <laughs> and he had the Build-A-Bear line or something like that, but that's all That's all I fucking wanted. I kind of liked more how Peter Quill met Peter Parker at that one moment. But uh, no, I agree with you, Kyle. Like, So I have thoughts about how they can work alone but first on how they like work well involved in the mcu like they are kind of the glue between space and earth and they're what kind of grounds everything during the avengers movies i believe like for me is like you know once they get to earth or once they're involved with the earthlings the world becomes a lot smaller and i think it works however if marvel studios was a studio not a comic book company first and there weren't the interconnectivity that they were going for from the start this could have just been totally good on its own as generic space team movie, you know, named Guardians of the Galaxy, like no other references to Marvel whatsoever. Don't even drop that it was a comic or something like I think that would have also worked with something like Iron Man, like the MCU kind of worked best in that first phase or so when everything was still setting up and working alone it still works well now like it's cohesive enough but i wish they would have less interconnectivity i wish they would get back to stuff that is like this like guardians are just dealing with guardian shit that happened in their movie in this movie you know as much yeah. as possible like they're not bringing thor they're not even talking about thor not talking about anyone else like nebula's not mentioning tony they mentioned somebody in the movie i'm like oh that's fun that like that there was literally just a mention are you sure they didn't say thor i think they said i know in the christmas special in the christmas special he gets bucky's arm but I mean, that's even more to the point is that they don't rely like this series doesn't rely on the rest of the MCU to do its thing. That, be, that being said, with having what I saw the trailer already, but seeing this in theaters, honestly, one of the most films I've been excited for in a while is the Marvels. And that's so connected between two TV shows and another movie. That's expert level. You don't just dip into the Marvels. But I'm genuinely I'm like, this looks cool and fun and, and brian it genuinely doesn't have like yeah jersey city but like i love i love the actress uh kamala khan i'm sure she's great didn't watch a second of that had no desire to. oh it's fun i just I, I like it takes a lot of bandwidth to watch all these shows really and it does i felt the marvel's trailer was like yeah because i put the time in like i watched wandavision i watched the movie, Miss yeah. marvel but like i also at the same time was like put this out on disney plus because it trails off of like homework like you gotta watch these other shows it just would feel sort of more fair or just let people know in the trailers like a little more about i'm from wandavision and i'm from my own show and i'm brie larson trust me at this point i definitely have like somewhat fatigue like the fact that this movie was practically out for three weeks and then i went to go see it just to make sure i you know saw it on time for this podcast i used to see these movies opening day or at the least opening weekend that was, we would yeah yeah exactly yeah honestly that's how i was with most movies i was excited for so that's definitely just something that's changed about me 
especially with Marvel stuff too. And yeah, it's getting to be like really like if it's every other that I'm like actually enjoying. Like I I liked Wakanda Forever more than I was expecting. I felt that this one played a lot better than the last several. Like I really wasn't into the last few since Doctor Strange. I'd say I really had fun with the Multiverse of Madness just because of like the Sam Raiminess of all of it. Since then, you know, like Thor: Love and Thunder, okay, kind of childish, but that's not bad. Black Panther again, very dark, very somber, like too much at the time for me to really get through properly. What was after that? Quantum Mania. You know, like I said, like I was for it, and now I'm kind of like leaning against. It now post endgame the two that i enjoy the most are spider-man no way home and the trio of spider-man so like that one and then shang chi were like my two favorite yeah that was fun this one ranks up there just back to the point of like standing alone when i watched this i just thought like there is a different timeline somewhere in, in a different you know multiverse that they just let James Gunn cook and they just let James Gunn make these films. And again, I'm not the biggest James Gunn fan in the world, but if this is just a studio and you're not thinking of it as Marvel, they might've just been like, Hey, let this become its own thing. And we can spend more movies off of it. We could have theoretically like the Gamora with the Ravengers story. We could have, uh, you know, all these other stories come out that don't need to be like, all right, let's connect it to the earth thing. And like, again, I liked a lot of the earth stuff. Also much was made of Peter Quill's, idiocy in the Avengers films and like how he's the catalyst. Now, look, take yourself out of it. It's an important role to be like the asshole who causes everything, right? I hate Guardians fans who are like, why'd they make Peter look like that? I'm like, they put him front and center. He just wasn't like showing up at the final battle. I think that's like a pretty big deal. But regardless, right? Like I think James Gunn even had a knock like, oh, I didn't like what they did to Peter in the, uh, you know, the overall franchise, whatever. But I wish I could have a window into like what this universe looks like where it's not tied into everything it just really all stems from him getting fired because then he goes to dc and he makes a critically successful not financially but critically successful film and then a television show and they give him and i forget the other guy's name like the keys to dc at warner brothers or and that really stems from that because yeah if he stayed i mean this was supposed to be one of the first movies in phase four and are we in phase five now yeah we're in phase five i think we're gonna get more of what you might want with him under the DC control, because while he's got this whole overarching plan where it, it is going to connect, from what I understand, they're also going to do a whole slew and a series of movies like the Robert Pattinson Batman. They're continuing on with that kind of stuff as well. They're going to have their cake and eat it too in a way that I think is going to show to be forward thinking in front of marvel marvel will start to take upon probably after secret wars and it'd be like some fucking tales from the multiverse kind of tagline this is not in continuity warning when you watch the movie okay like see i'm not in favor of that i don't like the dc stuff because i have my batman that i'll watch we'll see the jury's still out for me when it comes to dc stuff do we know what's happening with x-men yet or no well, now that there's a writer strike, like I feel like everything's up in the air, and that might be a good thing. They, they could pivot away right now from this whole Kang thing. They could take this time to honestly try and start over, or when they get out of the strike, to like take another direction. I'm totally okay too with them just recasting Kang. By the way, like 100. percent They have a history of doing that. I would love if Marvel. This movie reminded me of it, so it's related. I would love if Marvel just. You know, maybe 10 years from now, that's like the most hopeful timeline in my head, but just stopped everything, 
paused, did not make new movies of the heroes we know, and just like started with X-Men or something, right? And did X-Men for a good decade or so. And then we can start this Marvel process all over again. But like my child, theoretically, by the time they see phase one stuff, we're talking about like movies that are going to be what, 30 years old? seems like they're trying to set up a lot of that stuff with the TV and a lot of the next generation. They're going to be the youngins that are, you know, going to take over the mantle and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I don't know if, if like that's considered enough like you say is a is a risky thing. I don't think they're going to do it. But to stop connecting stuff so much is the key. It's just been pure escalation and they need to go back to an but take a chill pill. Brian, I'm honestly that's I'm I'm a big fan of that idea. Hopefully that's kind of what it seems like. It's really it's just so fucking funny and just like uh, just how much you see a big successful company goes ahead and still just like obviously they're still making money. They just go and, and even with all the money in the world and with obviously money, then they can hire as many people as they want that they still royally fuck up like they do with star Wars and like they're doing now with like Marvel in a certain way. But it, I, I'm hoping, you know, with star Wars, it seems like they're kind of getting back on the right track. Oversaturation, like make us want it, take it away from us and make us want it. I'm a big fan. There should be a lot more of those, like what the Christmas special and what uh, Werewolf by Night were. Bring back the one shots. Yeah, one a little bit more than a one shot, but like a, yeah, half hour, forty five minutes of introducing like an Adam Warlock or like a, somebody like that. I think you'd and yes, like that'll be on the streaming service, so you'll have people that can much more. They don't have to go to theaters to watch that, but again, you don't have to go to theaters. You just have to wait a little bit longer to see something. You know, if Kevin Feige is this genius and everything's mapped out, they need to just have this whole like chronological. This is how, in our minds, the story is unraveling. The fractured timeline storytelling works better with Star Wars because it already started in Chapter Four. You know, like it's kind of like you're off already, and like oh, we can just tell chapters and put it together and you can watch it in any order but the marvel stuff it feels a little more like we're in a straight line going forward i wish they would fill in some gaps and the other thing to me that needs to stop happening with disney i feel it more with star wars to be honest is like not quite fan service okay because fan service is giving the fans what they want is like trying to guess what the fans want. Just do what you want to do and see if it's accepted. I think the perfect example of that is Andor. Andor was like, we're going to make a prequel to Rogue One. Like, I mean, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I liked it and stuff, but like, no one really cared about how that was going to turn out. And it turned out to be great. But everyone is like harping on oh, Obi-Wan and like all this stuff needs to happen. And like Boba Fett, like how much I wish Boba Fett was better if they just took time, more time or trusted themselves more. But instead, it's just like even doing a Boba Fett show in the first place feels like giving the fans what they want instead of like taking a risk, trying something new, pulling something out of nowhere or from something people barely heard of and building up something like that they're risk adverse to doing that but it's like so branded that it won't fail you know you know someone's gonna like it it's star wars but to bring it back to guardians like that's what marvel did with the guardians of the galaxy and you see like that worked so yeah like why don't you do that again well do we want to go through this movie at all mention any scenes that like really stood out to anybody I mean, it's a broad statement, but this is just, this is a weird movie. 
compared to other James Gunn movies, this is like the most out of the Marvel movies or yeah, out of the three Guardians movies, his most like similar to his other movies of like kind of grotesque imagery at certain points. And we get our first on camera f-bombs have been teased a few times between aunt may peter parker nick fury and groot saying it as a baby although we do get to hear vin diesel's speaking english in this movie but yeah no it's just a really weird movie that i like the first note i took was oh my god is he creating the teenage mutant ninja turtles i think that was a callback because and supposedly he visited earth in the 80s that's what's been said off camera so it's just yeah a lot of 80s stuff one of the things that peter quill says in the very first sequence of the very first movie when he steals the stone yeah, yeah. is get your hands off me you mutant ninja turtles like he yeah, calls about, yeah. them a ninja turtle you know so it's like kind of gotta be a callback that was good so let's talk a little more about the high evolutionary i'm gonna try and do this actor's name justice it's like chuck woody Iwuji, Chuck Woody Iwuji. Phenomenal on uh, Peacemaker. That's how he got this job, by working with uh, Gunn on Peacemaker. And here he is here as the High Evolutionary. I like this villain. This is like Dr. Moreau, like uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Like, I love this. I, I mean, and he's also a fucking eugenics Nazi, right? Like, he has a super race of small blonde children at the end of this movie with blue eyes that are supposed to be, like, super powered. This character is pretty nuts. Wouldn't it be great if they could make him a Kang variant? That would just solve everything. I'm pulling for... I mean, I know he probably doesn't want part of the franchise, but John Boyega would just slide right in there, man. He's got... I think he's done with Disney. But he has the charm and the, like, energy, I think, to Money talks. Off. You know, money talks. Yeah, money never sleeps as well. I was actually quite surprised by Rocket's backstory and the amount of kind of grotesque imagery, like his lab partners, for lack of a better word, like his or his prison partners, his like first family, his super deformed animal friends, like very creepy. Yeah, this is something that James Gunn has said for a while. It was then a line in the movie that this has been his story all along. And like also James Gunn saying this is the he came back specifically to finish Rocket's story. Is this the first time in a trilogy that like a new character truly like takes the lead, but also he's not in the movie for a majority of it in real time? Like I was trying to think if a story's been told through that lens before in the way where it's like one of the main characters is like physically out of the picture. You know, like he's he's sidelined in that way. And yet it's still all about him. And we're watching his story unfold. It feels like a thing you can only do in like a sequel. Oh, or for sure. Three, for sure. Because you, you know? need agency with the character. Because why would you care if it was just the first time we saw him? Guys, as a as a other podcast you have, there's like a little there's some similarities to Godfather 2 in a way. No, of course. I mean, look, you got a lot of films that do this, the parallel storytelling and such. That's a good reference, Kyle. Godfather Part 2, you know, it's about Vito as much as it is about Michael, and Vito's dead the entire movie, but we're seeing his life in flashback. Yeah, yeah. and as much as James Gunn has said, that, and all that whole, it's all always been about Rocket, it's like, well, no, the first two movies are just so clearly, yes, as far as themes... I mean, the first one is his mom. The second one is his dad. And this one, as far as Peter, it's his own, then his like self journey and understanding himself, which felt a little, it felt a little weird. And uh, hey, James Gunn did it all with the Christmas special, but it felt a little weird. Like they kind of 
not solved it obviously obviously emotions can emerge again and be suppressed but like that's what it seemed to kind of get like let's get peter back on his feet and at christmas time he's depressed and again that's not how depression doesn't just disappear it can come back but just the fact that it starts right again that up oh, he's he's drinking some more which i i i mean i really appreciated when you were doing your recap of the movie, like how fast we jump in and we get Adam Warlock, like the, you know, shit happens right away, which I really appreciate because it's not a short movie, but it had a really good pace to it. The Gamora stuff is so delicate and difficult to handle. Uh, I heard in an interview that James Gunn originally wanted to kill her off in the second movie by saving Peter instead of Yondu saving Peter. But then he went on to say that like when they approached him for the Avengers movie saying like, here's what we want to do with the character. He was like, yeah, go ahead and do that because I'm kind of done with the character. (laughs) Like I'm not really sure where to take it. And like Zoe Saldana didn't want to play this forever. So I think we've seen the end of Gamora. And I think that the movie did a pretty good job of kind of forcing Peter to confront his feelings about it while also dealing with the feelings of losing one of his best friends. So it's like a matter of like priority almost where it's like, I can't get over my ex-girlfriend who's still alive and not my ex-girlfriend while my best friend is dying and we're trying to save his life together and she doesn't remember how much he means to me and there's like so much of that confusion and chaos going on with him i think it plays well for a lot of stuff to have to juggle yeah and the two things i kind of heard just as far as like outside of the movie what we see in the movies one thing he particularly requested so what the last guardians of the galaxy movie came out in 2016 that one takes place like pretty soon after the first one and then we jump ahead obviously seeing them in infinity war so his request in that movie was to see that they actually like are a couple they kiss on camera in that movie so he just wanted that because he wanted that kind of emotional charge to be able to be hovering in the story of Guardians 3. And the other thing I heard was at one point he contemplated just not having Gamora in Guardians 3 at all. But he just felt like, no, this is ending of a trilogy. It's this family. And just still thematically, like everything that they go through and we and we see Peter and Gamora. Brian, you messaged me it. And I'm like, yep, just saw it. Like it's a heartbreaking of a line. Just like I bet we were fun together. It was interesting. I mean, I Actually, it was probably fun to play as an actor, kind of like going back, yeah. but then also playing an alternate version of, you know, what you played before. So I, I, I really enjoyed how Gamora was used in this movie. Sure, it seems like a little forced how she gets involved but at the same time she kind of just sticks around for nebula because they always had their relationship sisters yeah Yeah. and it kind of reminds us of like the whole nature of variance as well where it's like you look the same but you're not the same so like that also reminds us about you know forthcoming multiverse variance possibly stuff but like i would have been happy if stallone was in the whole movie with them i'm joining (laughs) the guardians this time hey i'm gonna break into the flesh bank yeah let's go were you guys shocked Stallone uh, showed up again no. in this one? That he I was back? expecting that he was going to just because I saw the Michael Rosenbaum character in the trailer. Yeah, the Diamond Face guy. I didn't realize Academy Award winning actress now. I didn't realize she was in Guardians 2 and then she's in Shang-Chi and she's his aunt. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, she was. She does have a little cameo. I forgot about at the that. Yeah, I forgot. Too. Yeah. 
And then she plays another character. A variant. A variant. <laughs> well, she did say she's from another dimension in that movie. So, you know, it could be. They just look alike. I was even surprised to see the Aisha character show up for like half the movie. Did you catch the other double MCU character? Other double? Give me a hint. Oh, okay. I do know. Yeah, it's a voiceover. One's, though, yeah, one's right? a voice. One actually appears. Uh, Linda Cardellini. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, hey, you know what? I mean, like, I'm not gonna, this is, like, this would be, like, really nerdy nitpicking. This is just clearly something fun he did in the first movie, and he didn't know here he was gonna take those characters. But it does not really make sense that in the first Guardians, when they're in the lineup, and it says for Rocket, known associates, and it says Lila in it, that that just doesn't make sense, because I think, at least to our understanding, like their relationship only existed ever in jail by the high evolutionary. The only, the only thing, you know, to retcon that a bit, like perhaps he was captured previously and they, you know, they asked him, like they interrogated him. Do you have family? Known associates. He gave a dead name. Yeah. 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 I know. But it's just a totally different relationship than they, I know that they had in the comic. They were love interests in the comics and so on and so forth. It was, a, it was a fun Easter egg in the first movie. And then he, like, he didn't know where the story was going to take him. That's the one thing, like, that's something that, you know, like I wasn't a fan of when it comes to, what is that? The last Jedi comes after force awakens. I always like a time jump in my movies. That was a little bit of something that I didn't necessarily like about guardians 2 being right after how much of a time jump do you need to like it honestly in like a hero's journey i like a year or two so what i like is no time has passed but your son has aged oh yeah stallone just make a stallone podcast mike okay just do it it's just about the rocky timeline like it it applies to other things too name another one friday the 13th do it with tommy jarvis you know horror rules do not apply anywhere horror does rule no i brian what do you mean rule doesn't apply they do it in from from episode four to episode five, Tommy Jarvis ages like ten years. Okay, I get that, years. but like again, horror breaks all the rules. Yeah, just uh, horror is not mainstream. Well, it's just Rocky not. breaks the rules too. You know, he's an underdog. Oh, he's, he's never heard of a story like rules. that before. Where an underdog succeeds. <laughs> is he richer by the journey? Do friends become enemies and enemies become friends? Have you seen that journey over like ten movies and spun off to his? You know nephew quote-unquote i guess is not his biological nephew but like his adoptive nephew but uh, i love mantis i love this actor i don't know anything else she's done because i think she's just kind of so hidden under mantis that i wouldn't even recognize her she's a french actress i love the interplay between her character and drax because of the nature of their species i guess you're right like drax being so literal from his planet and her kind of being so um like emotional uh it's just such a interesting contrast yeah they're i mean they're always fun like i i do like how the team has evolved people from previous films who are seamlessly now within the guardians and and she's one of them like you don't question like wait why is she still here yeah and nebula as well with her brand new arm which is much more like stark tech like nanotech arm it reminded me a little of like she's like silver venom arm because it can like almost turn into anything and be like fluid and stuff so the other doubled actor is nathan fillion 
Yes. In the original movie, he was the blue inmate at the kiln. And in this, he is Master Karja at the flesh bank. In the second one, he was supposed to be in like posters. Now they've got it coming out as a TV show. And I forget, I think. Oh, the... uh, Wonder Man. Yeah, Wonder Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I loved the flesh vault, whatever. It's so Cronenberg and gnarly and disgusting. Like it was so fun. It was gross. I like that. I like Counter Earth a lot. Counter Earth was cool. Like the whole animal planet. Yeah, I feel bad for so much destruction. They just all yeah. get obliterated. That's the thing. Does he go a little too hard? He does. Honestly, let me tell you. Like, and I know this is a bad guy, but when Peter Quill straight up like drowns that guy or whatever once they fall, and I'm just like, oh, they survived the fall, and I'm assuming he's gonna die. Like, somehow, but he dies before even, like, the ship, you know, because then, what, uh, Gamora's flying the ship in and it crashes right by them? Yeah. Like, but, like, Peter, like, kills him. There's a line Peter says, like, because the guy's like, you're going to kill us both. Yeah, I mean, the high evolutionary just obliterates that entire planet full of people. And then, obviously, seeing his fucking two-face, one disgusting face. Yeah, that was crazy. His, like, when Rocket, what Rocket did to him. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was gonna be that bad. Pretty gnarly, yeah. Special effects look on par, probably best they've looked in the last few movies since Doctor Strange for me. Like, I think it helps when it all takes place in space. You're not really expecting everything to look normal. I enjoyed the ride completely in this film. I was... Almost sad to see them go, but happy that that the trilogy... uh, This is a good trilogy. The legendary Star-Lord will return. Well, let me ask you about that. Where do you think he would come back, and do you care if he comes back? I personally would like to see more Star-Lord. Like, I I like this character. I do want to see more Peter Quill. I like Peter Quill. I think he's a really fun character. And now that he's on Earth, what are his powers, really? Like... He doesn't have any now because he killed his father. So, like, he lost that, like, eternal spark. He's just a human. But even then, like, we, besides, like, the climax of Guardians 2, like, that's the only time we... It's not like he ever... Well, I, okay, I guess technically the climax of the original Guardians, he was able to hold on to the powers. But his powers are were, were with like, his team and stuff like that. Like, can he be in the Avengers? Can he just be an Earth hero? Black Widow is better than him. She has no powers, right? But she's, like, highly trained. Yeah, Hawkeye's even arguably better than him. Or maybe he could be a Punisher-like anti-hero, too. Who, like, not, he, he's a little too funny for that, but... Like, I understand Peter was the only one that ever had that, uh, let's just call it magic, you mm-hmm. know, from, from Ego. But, like, Mantis, like, we don't know, like, her species, per se. Like, you know, she says she's an empath. I don't know if that's some kind of superpower she got or if her whole species has that. Nonetheless, she's on her own journey right now. She's out in space. Maybe she's going to come across something with Celestials. Maybe she's going to run into the Eternals. And then since Peter knows about all the different Infinity Stones and was a part of a Celestial himself, maybe he'll probably be, most likely that's how he'll come back into play. Well, what do you think about this other iteration of Guardians before we get out of here? Like, do you care anymore about this team? Do you think they'll do this team with Rocket leading and all these new members? Or do you think if they pick, they're even just going to let it be? I, th- I say don't touch it. Let it be the trilogy. Take these characters and put them in other movies if you want. There's not going to be a Guardians movie for quite some time. I'm sure they'll show up somehow, whatever ends up happening with Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. Secret Wars, yeah. Like, something... 
it more in that realm, they'll show up again. And maybe not everyone will even be on that team. Still, maybe Adam Warlock will be off on his own adventures. But yeah, Rocket and Groot will show up. Two biggest things outside of watching the movie. Dave Bautista said that, you know, he is done. I mean, he was, you know, he was saying he was done when James got fired, but he said like that he's done with this. And as did uh, Zoe Saldana. She said that she is retiring from the character and she's happy to pass on the mantle. Their stories feel complete. Yeah, like, did things happen along the way that changed the trajectory of these characters because of the director getting fired or the pandemic or because they were in another movie besides their own movie? Like Drax, I mean, you, right. think, of the, you think of the first movie, I'm going to kill Ronan. I mean, he gets to help kill Ronan at the end of it, but I'm going to kill Thanos. Like, we don't even get to see him besides an Infinity War. Like, right. he doesn't even get, like, a moment against Thanos in Endgame. But there's a beautiful moment because I was just like, ah, man, like that felt like a little little bit of letdown. But in this movie where she goes, you're not a destroyer, you're a dad. That's what you're meant to be. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. man, that's a perfect wrap up line for that character. W- one of my bigger questions for you guys is what do you think of the soundtrack in this movie? Because the first two movies, I mean, it is Peter Quill's mom. That is her by extension. It's just like they couldn't do like, oh, she had another album for you. This is the whole thing. So that's a, it's a Zune, right? That's the, right. You know, which I love that they did a Zune versus, you know, like an uh, iPod yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But that, so that's a gift from Yondu, but it's right. not like, you know, I don't think Yondu curated it, but it's a gift from Yondu, but also the music's not used nearly as diegetically as it was in the first two movies. Yeah, they pump it through the speakers. Like, you know, everybody used to hear it at times. So that's pretty cool. The set list comes from whoever had it on Earth. I don't think he was adding songs once he got it. I think it's whatever was on there. You know, when Kraglin gives it to him, you know, whatever the amount is. Point being, we hear, obviously, the normal soundtrack amount in this. So maybe, what, at most 15, 13, 15. I ask you this because do you think since it's rocket's movie do you think it's more his soundtrack or do you think it is peter you know oh totally because he keeps stealing the spoon i mean it begins with him singing creep and it begins and ends with him saying this is my favorite song yeah like that's the thing too he he's constantly stealing the zune from peter right that's mine give it back he's the one always choosing the songs and at the end peter even says i went back that was my least favorite moment. When they revised the uh, the Peter in space. Yeah, kind of a Princess Leia floating moment, yeah. Yeah, maybe an unnecessary callback, perhaps. But still, yeah, I, I think that goes along with it, is that like the music is more rocket than Peter this time around, because, yeah, Peter was sort of living through his mom's tastes. And this just, we're dealing with a lot of different types of music, a lot of different decades, just a bigger type of variety, so... I enjoyed that. And as far as trilogies go, this, I'm just looking at like the little bit of notes I took. It did have a very Return of the Jedi kind of vibe, like literally with the characters dancing at the end after like a celebration. So just even another callback to like an 80s in a way. One of my biggest regrets for my wedding is not playing the new Return of the Jedi pan flute ending. I wanted that to just play in the background just to piss off Kyle, but like... Well, flip the table. That was a little heavy. Well, before we get there, Brian, any final thoughts about Guardians or the soundtrack or anything that you want to get in before we take off? It wasn't about the soundtrack, but it was just about how this could be the end of most of the team. I'm totally okay with it. 
I know I sound like a broken record, probably. I don't mind these movies. I will watch these movies. I, I quite enjoy these movies. But just with, like, not not to use this buzzword like everyone's using today, but, like, just with the rise of AI, commodification, if that's a word, of Hollywood films where they're just all sequels and uh, reboots and just old ideas. And that because Hollywood has already been AI'd for a while, right? AI is based on just human intelligence and all human research. It's derivative. Everything we're making is derivative. So to close a franchise... It feels nice to me, and I'm I'm okay with Peter coming back. I'm happy to have Peter coming back. But just the overall Guardian story, Kyle, you're right. Mike, you're right. We get so much closure from all the characters. Leave them be, and let's start afresh. I loved Guardians originally because I didn't read the comic, and it felt new. It felt fresh. It, it felt different. I know they're taking chances. Like Shang-Chi, you mentioned that, Kyle. I didn't read Shang-Chi. And it worked. Like, take more chances. You're not going to hit on all of them. That shouldn't affect your mindset. You have so much money already. Let's take some chances. Let's see some new stuff. And then I want a new Guardians to be the Guardians replacement in my heart and not the Rocket team. Kyle, any, any final thoughts about the Guardians? In the credits, they were just showing things from all the all the movies. And so I did actually, I did watch, not in preparation for this, but just with it coming out, I, I did watch the two Guardians movies again recently. But it was in the credits that I noticed that even, maybe it was just for symmetrical reasons, but Rocket was the center even in the mug shot. So I feel okay. like there's been a little bit all along that's just like he's center stage. Also, he is the longest career guardian as well, since because okay. Nebula really wasn't on the team at that point and everyone else gets dusted. Yeah, I mean, besides that, oh, I also put just like all the children. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Thor Love and Thunder. Like they're definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that was my other note. Not to cut you off, Kyle, but it's topical today because the death of Tina Turner, unfortunately, RIP the date we're recording. But Mike, the kids reminded me of Mad Max beyond the Thunderdome, right? Like rescuing the kids. Yeah, I didn't mind that at all. I didn't mind it in Thor either. I, this was a lot of fun. This was a great conversation about the Guardians in general, Marvel as a whole. I, I had a lot of fun. Anyway, I think it was very interesting. Thank you guys for joining me. I don't know what's going to be next. I don't know when we're going to get back together. Kyle, we still have a couple part threes. You know, uh, we also unfortunately lost Ray Stevenson very recently, who played Punisher in Punisher Warzone, which I believe is the... It, I think that's the third Punisher movie. I might be mistaken, but it's a Punisher movie and it's a good one. So it is a third Punisher, yeah, because Dolph Lundgren, right, played yeah. uh, the yep. first one, the first and then one. and then Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. That was a good one with Travolta, and then yeah, and then Ray. So like, we can get to that maybe over the summer. That'd be cool. Yeah, that was a go- that was a gory movie that came out when we were in college, and he was also in the Thor series. Yeah, that's right. So we've talked about him a little bit before. Before we get out of here, plug time, Brian. Where can we hear you elsewhere on the internet? Well, Mike, you and I have plenty of work to do on other podcasts. First, the show we host together, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. We'll definitely be talking a part three on that godfather three and a bunch of other f- and, and three cuts of a oh yeah movie. lots of cuts lots of cuts there and of course you'll be back on high school slumber party the other show i host almost Corey season also there is another marvel film that's coming out soon that we need to see in the theaters oh, and cover right. on my show web slinging that's the only clue um yeah so check me out there and check mike out there and kyle you're on uh those shows as well from time to time Yes. Kyle, anything else you'd like to plug in on or off the internet, if you like? Uh, Excellent. 
Awesome. Well, I can't wait to do this again soon, but until then, guys, I will see y'all later. Three, that's a magic number. Yes, Three. it is. It's the magic number. Three, Three they stubbing me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?